Hi, and welcome to the Good Fundraising Podcast, where we bring together nonprofit thought leaders and change makers to talk about what's good in the world of fundraising and what could be better. I'm your host, Alicia Mullenstein. Thanks for joining me for the last episode of season one of our podcast. Amazing. Since we started in May, when we were all officially locked down, we have now done 13 episodes and this is the grand finale for season one. Thanks so much for your contributions, for everyone who's been interviewed. This has been a really fun experiment. And today we're going to talk about all the lessons learned over this craziest dumpster fire of a year. It actually hasn't all been bad. We saw a lot of innovation from our sector this year, from digital conferences to having to upend all the ways we've been used to working. There actually are some valuable lessons to take away. So today, based on all your responses, we're going to talk about what we should keep going out of this year into 2021. Far and away, number one, top of the list, picture a word cloud with the single biggest word screaming out of you from the middle was company remote work rules. That's something that were completely upended over 2020 and something that we should keep going into 2021. The nonprofit sector more than others seems to have been notorious for FaceTime, for expecting you to be in the office at all costs all the time. And for many of us, that was just taken for granted as a way of life. There were jobs we might have looked at across the country, things that seemed really interesting where we knew we could apply our skills, but were completely out of reach because we weren't willing to upend our families and our lives and our support systems. Well, lo and behold, 2020 made that all irrelevant for us. So many of our sectors have seen increased remote work rules, and it has been really a godsend for so many people who've had a challenge managing their work-life caregiving responsibilities. Now, I know that's not true for all of us because our sector represents a lot of people in essential work, food banks, direct animal care, hospital workers, healthcare workers, all sorts of essential services that simply can't be done remote. But for a lot of us, especially in fundraising, FaceTime in the office wasn't always essential for our work and in fact was sometimes detrimental to our work because we would get sucked into meetings, end up being pulled into hallway chats that took away from our time talking with donors, doing deep work, or just getting the work done before we had to get home to feed people who depend on us. So remote work rules and the relaxing of them, huge win for 2020, and one that I know many, many of us hope continues into the new year. Number two, things we should take from 2020 and carry into us into 2021. This one might be a bit of a surprise, especially if you're a caregiver, but hear me out. This one came through a lot in emails and, and I'll quote, I appreciate knowing that my coworkers have a life and that they know I have one too. Yes, coworkers and clients and partners knowing you have a life, respecting that there's other things going on in our world and making space for those and allowing for more flexibility and blending of those worlds, particularly for those of us who are working remotely. Um, this actually translates into another one that came up as well, sick leave and flex time policies. In a lot of our companies, sick leave policies look radically different if they even exist at all. And flex time too. People knowing that the work is going to get done, managers and leadership respecting that the work's going to get done, but realizing that it might have to happen on a slightly different timeline. In many ways, I think this has been liberating for a lot of us, particularly in the fundraising world. So yes, cheers to knowing that your coworkers have a life and you have a life outside of fundraising. Well, most of us do anyway, and that that's something that we should respect and foster for each other. Number three, 
for our list of what should we keep from 2020. Digital events. Digital opportunities to connect with major donors in far-flung locations and digital fundraising events. If you have been with us for a little while, um, or even if you haven't, go back and listen to episode six, where we talk about digital events around the summertime with Oliver Hibbs of Blakely, and episode 10, where we hear from Jenny Velarde of Carnegie Mellon, who talks about being a major gifts fundraiser in this really strange and new environment, but the amazing opportunities that digital events gave Carnegie Mellon and her team to connect with alumni all over the world that they simply never would have had before. Not only do digital events give us an opportunity to reach out to donors who, for simple geography or time, can't make the events, but they also open up the opportunity to engage with different audiences across our donor base and prospective donors who, maybe perhaps because of disabilities, weren't able to make uh, in-person events happen before. And digital events really opens the door to a lot of other communities to become active in our work, to become part of our community. And hopefully it's something that we will continue to keep into 2021. And we won't just slam that door shut the second we get the opportunity to start having banquet halls again. So yes, three cheers to digital events and their importance and their prevalence and how they help to keep our sector afloat in so many ways over 2020. In addition with digital events, we should shout out that all of our conferences and workshops across the industry also had to move online this year. And that is no small undertaking. While I think a lot of us really did miss the opportunity to see our colleagues face-to-face and to get to do our networking with everyone, uh, it was also a turn on the dime moment for a lot of big events, big organized conferences, workshops, annual benchmarking meetings to have to move all those things online. And you know what? We did it. We made the most of it. And hopefully, again, that's a door that we will keep open for people as we move into the new year, those who have restrictions on their travel or simply don't have travel budgets uh, or aren't comfortable yet, right? It's going to be a little while before some of us feel comfortable being back out in the world. But digital events still lets a lot of people get access to information. And, you know, frankly, was one of the reasons that I started this podcast in the first place. It's a way to democratize more information and lower the barrier for people to get a chance to be part of our industry, hear what's going on without necessarily having to pay the steep entry fee and the travel cost. So yes, for our donors and for ourselves alike, let's keep that door open for a little while longer, if not indefinitely. Okay, next on our list, and this is an important one, the public recognizing the importance of essential workers and the essential nature of so much of the nonprofit sector. Yes, yes, yes to this one. Certainly our food banks, our hospitals, our healthcare workers, our mental health professionals, so much of our sector was shown to be so important for so many people. And I think we also, as a certainly as a nation, if not the world, had to confront a lot of the social issues that have been swept under the carpet that Lots of different nonprofits and networks of nonprofits have been keeping afloat for so long until those systems were just completely strained to their edges. And fortunately, we saw a huge public outpouring for many of those sectors, food banks especially. If you go back and listen to episode seven, where I spoke with Kimberly Bleese of Blakely, she described how donor sentiments were evolving over the course of COVID from spring through early fall. Uh, When we spoke, it was about summertime, so we were about halfway through things. And you could really see that the public was expressing an an outright supporting of support and interest in continuing to support things like food banks, local community groups, areas of support that perhaps, again, had been under the radar for them or they've been contributing to somewhat, 
but the importance of them was certainly escalated over the several months of COVID. So yes to hearing and showing to the public that our sector has always been essential and how many essential workers we really have amongst us. So yes, essential workers continuing to be so important to the functioning of our country into the new year. And right hot on the heels of the essential worker sentiment for our sector was immense love for our postal workers and the post office. Whoever thought when they were doing their 2020 bingo cards at the tail end of last year that post office shutdowns, major national interest and attention on the post office ever would have shown up. The post office rose to the occasion, and much as we all like to gripe about increases in postage and poor mail delivery, wow, our postal workers deserve a huge kudos from all of us in the industry who rely on offline income to outreach to our donors and the post office certainly kept many, many people around the country fed, stocked with medicines, connected to the rest of the world. The post office absolutely from 2020 deserves our love and respect, and hopefully some renewed respect and attention as we go into the new year with a new administration. And you know, lest we forget, um, how about mail-in voting? How about lowering some barriers to voting? The post office was instrumental to this, but You know, there was obviously a ton of work from other organizations involved in ensuring that in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, certainly those of us in America could go and vote and go and vote safely, whether that was by mail or drop boxes or lots of different innovations that so many states in our union hadn't even considered or didn't want to consider before this year. So the post office had a huge role in making that happen for sure, as did tons of other organizations at the national and grassroots level to make sure that we were all able to vote in a way that was safe this year. All right, next on our list, I'm going to put under the title, Everything Old is New Again. We got a lot of comments about the importance of telemarketing now more than ever to reach out to donors, particularly in the early days in the spring of the pandemic, before we'd all figured out Zoom and gotten everyone acquainted to using it, how important the phone was to keeping fundraising programs alive, to reach out to donors who maybe were planning on attending an event or were queued up to do a walk and do fundraising for you instead. The phone became a lifeline for a lot of programs to get their donors uh, back engaged with them and get some quick support in there, particularly, again, when things were starting out and everything felt really, really urgent and it was very emergency focused. Now, there's continuing issues with the phone. We're all grappling with, I think, decreased contact rates and telematch issues and the movement of landlines to cell phones. And that's going to cue us up into our next thing, which is innovations new ways of reaching out to donors, um, and for many organizations, trying things that were new and unfamiliar, among them texting to their donors. So texting isn't new, it's been around for a long time, but I think we certainly saw in the lead up to the elections and around the elections, um, and even through the summer, a lot more organizations texting to their donors. It was another way of trying to break through when perhaps the mail felt slow or the phones were just too difficult or emails were getting buried. Texting was another way for us to be able to reach out to our donors. Um, So texting, yes, old technology made slightly newer, slightly more relevant to us now, and that's going to lead us into even more innovations for our sector. For much of our sector, 2020 was defined by innovation, having to upend all the old rules and figure out new ways to do things because the old ways were simply unsafe and or completely unsustainable. So we had a lot of interviews uh, in this podcast talking about innovations. So episode 12, 
We talked about liberating structures with Kyla Scheuer, and these were all different ways of handling meetings and dealing with how we interact with our colleagues to make more productive use of our time. Great episode, um, tons to, to learn there. There's an app for liberating structures. I highly, highly recommend that you look that one up. Um, likewise, episode 13, we talked with Rachel Herman of Pause New York about program delivery innovations. So while Rachel's story was really one about entrepreneurship and beginning and leadership for an organization that's now hitting its 10-year mark, Pause was also hitting its 10-year mark in the midst of a global pandemic and having to completely rethink how they delivered their program services to vulnerable and elderly people and their pets in New York City, which was um, certainly early on one of the areas most hard hit. So those are just two examples of innovation that we've been thinking about over the course of the year, but there's been a lot more between Zoom events, different ways of using our programs, other changes in program delivery and leadership. Innovation's been um, really a big thing for us all this year. Uh, even look at our schools, our education systems, they've had to think of completely different ways to deliver courses uh, to undergrad, graduates, elementary school kids. It really runs the gamut. So innovation, definitely something that the sector at large and, and really all of us have had to encounter this year and something that we're going to continue looking at as we go into another year full of challenges. Of all the things that in 2020 were exposed as just dysfunctional or completely unsustainable, certainly the biggest had to be the issues that our country is confronting along the lines of racial justice. So over the summer, we saw a huge outpouring of support for the Black Lives Matters movement in ways that so many people had not expressed before, whether because they simply didn't have to or it wasn't on their radar. At this point, it doesn't matter. Um, these were issues that the country in the midst of a pandemic had to face as part of our reality, as part of the lived reality for far too many people in our country. And, you know, for the nonprofit sector, uh, we ourselves have to admit that simply because so many of us are essential workers and the work we do is so essential doesn't mean that we get a free pass either. So in the midst of a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of reckonings that um, are ongoing and continue, and, and rightly so, need to continue having these conversations, our sector sought increased support for EDIB initiatives, for diversity, for support for our Black colleagues, and um, support for the Black Lives Matter movement across all the areas of our work. I think we are truly beginning to understand as a sector in the midst of so much unraveling in the fabric of our society over the last few months, just how interconnected all our work really is, how interconnected all these issues are and how we are. So Black Lives Matters movement, uh, respect for our colleagues, increased attention into our own shortcomings and what we need to do as a sector, absolutely um, something that we can't just leave aside in 2020, but that we need to continue and uplift as we move into the new year. Okay, just to add in a moment of levity, because I feel like that last one was maybe a little heavy. Um, I loved this email I got. So happy that I can wear my hoodie and a messy bun with sweatpants underneath that no one sees on my office Zoom calls these days, quote, even for meetings with clients. So funny. Yes, very true. Office dress codes kind of went out the window this year. Uh, certainly, I feel like as we were into late spring and everyone was beginning to grapple with a new reality and we hadn't quite gotten all the kinks worked out yet. Yes, office dress codes. Now, nonprofit sector is kind of notoriously casual compared to many others, but 
a lot of us still had to put on the heels and the clothes and the makeup every single day. Uh, and let's just say working from home has loosened those restrictions. A lot of us are sporting some questionably fashionable COVID, haven't been to a hairdresser in a long time haircuts. And you know what? It's fine. The work is still getting done. We're all moving on with our lives. Maybe it's actually time that we put aside the makeup, the societal expectations for how we show up to work physically, and we just start to value the work output a little bit more. So yeah, let's let's leave some rules about office dress codes to the side. That, that was a good one. Last but not least, I feel like this is an appropriate one for us to end on as we begin to look ahead to the new year. How about focus on priorities? I got a lot of emails about how 2020 really distilled for organizations and leadership and management what was truly important, whether that was the welfare of their workers or the parts of their programs that were really bringing in the most money and needed the most attention and resources, or just how many rounds of meetings you had to go on a project proposal before you just sent it out the door. Uh, this year has been a big one for distilling priorities within our organizations. And for some of us, this looks like different ways of budget planning, where we're putting investments, that we are more willing to be nimble and move investments around as opportunities pr present themselves, or we've had to reallocate money in a flash because channels like for a long time canvassing were simply offline and we had to pivot really quickly. Yes, being nimble and reevaluating our priorities and putting the things that matter most first, definitely a big one for 2020. This extended to a lot of our personal lives as well. So one of the most popular episodes that we had this year on the Good Fundraising Podcast was episode four on career coaching. This year of being home and having to work in different ways and balance caregiving and professional aspirations a little bit differently than we've had in the past, I think for a lot of people has really brought up some soul searching. What kind of environment do they want to work in? Where do they want to work from? What kind of work-life balance do they want to do? And what's the work that means the most to them? So for many of us, that's meant pursuing work with career coaches. Um, certainly therapy is up a lot and all the different therapies uh, out there. Virtual coaching, virtual therapy has been a big one. And I, I think we've seen the importance of looking out for our mental health and making sure that what we're doing is sustainable and in a sustainable way. So yes, here's for having 2020 in perhaps a rather cruel way, forcing all of us to focus on our priorities make sure that the things are the most important are getting done and getting done well. And, you know, a little bit to hell with the stuff that's just noise for right now. So let's try to carry some of that into the new year of making sure that we're putting the things that truly matter first and letting some of the other stuff go the way that it should, the way of the dodo and hopefully the way of the coronavirus very, very soon. Well, that is it. That is the end of season one of the Good Fundraising Podcast and the end of 2020. Thank you all so much for listening, for your ideas, for sharing with those of your colleagues who you think would benefit from the podcast. Thank you for all the support. This has been so, so much fun. And I look forward to building a season two full of all new topics. If you have an idea for a topic, as always, please send me an email at hello at goodfundraising.net. And I'd be more than happy to speak with you and hear your ideas. Um, lots of topics on queue for season two. So just going to take a little bit of a pause over year end, our fundraiser's favorite season. And then we'll be back soon with a whole new set of topics for season two. Thank you all so much. If you've enjoyed the Good Fundraising Podcast, please consider subscribing. Send to a friend. Look us up on Apple Podcasters Stitcher. 
Uh, feel free to join me for a little therapeutic 2020 calendar burning, no offense to anyone's premiums, on December 31st when I have a little bonfire in my backyard and send away 2020 and bring in all the best for 2021. So until that time, please remember to go out there, be nice and do good, and I'll talk to you soon.